Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we began our look at Prosecutor Thomas Binger's direct examination of his first witness, Dominic Black. Black is the friend of Kyle Rittenhouse, who purchased the AR-15 used during the shootings. During the first part of his direct, Binger questioned Black about his relationship with Rittenhouse, how and why he came to purchase the gun for the underage defendant, and what he and Rittenhouse did on the day of the shooting. On today's episode, we conclude Binger's direct examination, and we move on to defense attorney Mark Richards' cross-examination of Black. That's all coming up right after the break. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. During the first part of the state's direct examination of its first witness, Dominic Black, Prosecutor Thomas Binger established the relationship between Rittenhouse and the witness. Black also walked the jury through his and Rittenhouse's actions leading up to their respective decisions on how to try to protect the car source business. Specifically, Black's decision to protect the car source store from the roof of the building out of harm's way and the defendant's choice to remain on the volatile streets of Kenosha. Prosecutor Binger next digs into Black's reasons for bringing his weapon to the car source that night. But you're also there to protect the car source location. Yes. How were you going to do that from up on the roof? I'm helping anybody else that was there. I'm spotting people that were throwing things. And then what? If you see somebody throwing something, are you, you had a gun, were you planning on shooting them? No. Um, I mean, when somebody sees a weapon, you know, it's they're not going to want to start any problems, obviously. If I see somebody with a weapon, I'm not going to want to initiate a problem. Was it part of your thought process that night that by having the type of weapon you did, that it would deter others from attacking you? That's fair to say. When you were up on the roof that night, what observations, if any, did you make about the crowd and what was going on on the ground? There's a lot of violence, a lot of screaming, a lot of people throwing things. Um, you could definitely tell that people weren't just there for the reason they were. Um, it wasn't a safe place to be at all. Um, later through on the night, the crowd got pushed back closer and closer to us. And we say pushed back. Who was pushing them back? The police. And how were they doing that? Um, with the with the big trucks and you know a lot of uh, rubber bullets and. The crowd that was being pushed back. What was their behavior like when they passed in front of your location? Uh, very violent. Um, very upset. 
When you say violent, can you give us examples of the type of violence you saw? Um, saying a lot of threats, throwing a lot of things, um, a lot of things along the lines of that. And when you say they would say a lot of threats, who are those threats directed at? Us, the police, um, sometimes even people in the crowd. Do you have any idea why the people out on the street would make any threats to your group? I have no idea. Did you ever see anyone actually injured as a result of any of this violence that you talked about? Um, no. Did you see anyone shoot at anyone else? No. Did you ever consider using your gun to shoot at anyone? No. Prosecutor Binger seems to be using this part of Dominic Black's testimony to support his recurring assertion that of all the people that were armed that night, and with all of the volatility and chaos on the streets of Kenosha, Kyle Rittenhouse was the only person who shot someone. Binger then shifts to the aftermath of the shootings when Black and Rittenhouse reconnected. What observations, if any, did you make about the defendant when you saw him? He was freaking out. He was really scared. He was pale, sweating a lot. Um, you could tell he was just scared. Did he say anything? He wasn't really talking. He just said he had to do it. It was self-defense. He, he people are trying to hurt him. Did he ever say to you that someone was trying to attack him with a gun? No. Did he ever say to you that someone was trying to attack him with a knife? No. Binger uses Black's statements to suggest that Rittenhouse failed to state any of the details to Black that would be necessary for him to assert a legally sustainable claim of self-defense. But, obviously, there is a strategic danger that Binger faces here. By eliciting these answers from Black, Binger is affirming for the jury that the defendant was consistent from the beginning in his assertion that he was in fear of being hurt and that he acted in self-defense. What happened after that? Uh, after that, uh, we kind of all tried to calm him down. There were some people yelling, but uh, we kind of made the idea that he should turn himself in, but we couldn't do it in the one in Kenosha because there's people riding at the front doors. So I took him home, and then we decided he should go turn himself in at the nearest uh, police department. When you say you took him home, did that mean you drove back down to Antioch? Yes. When you got down there, was anyone else at the defendant's residence? No. How long was it before anyone came back? I want to say five to ten minutes. And who all came back at that point? Uh, the rest of his family. And that would be his mother and his two sisters? Yes. Was there any discussion at that time about what the defendant should do? Um, leave or get out of town. To where? Um, one of their family's properties in either Michigan or uh, West Virginia. What was your reaction to that? Said no, he should turn himself in. Were you urging the defendant to not flee, but instead to go turn himself in? Yes. Did he follow your advice? Yes. Prosecutor Binger moves on to address Rittenhouse's often repeated claim that he was in Kenosha to serve as an EMT. Do you know what the defendant's occupation was around the time of August of 2020? A lifeguard at the Rexplex. We've seen some videos i'll represent to you that at various points on that evening the defendant uh tells people that he is an emt do you know anything about that um i know he has some training in that type of field but that's kind of the, the most of my knowledge do you know whether he, he had ever worked as a paramedic 
No. Do you know whether he'd ever worked as an EMT? No. Prosecutor Binger concludes his direct examination of Black by addressing the legal jeopardy that the witness faces related to his own actions in this case. Has the person who provided the gun to the defendant, which was used to kill other people, are you facing criminal charges? Yes. In fact, have I not personally drafted a criminal complaint against you, charging you with two felony counts of providing that gun to the defendant, which were used to kill two separate people? Is that correct? Yes. And that is a case, a criminal case, that I'm prosecuting that is you that is still pending. Is that right? Yes. As a criminal defendant in that case, are you aware of the fact that you have a Fifth Amendment right to remain silent and not answer any questions about any of that? Yes. Have you decided today to come in front of this jury and tell us the truth about everything? Yes. Despite your Fifth Amendment right? Yes. Have I made any promises to you about what might happen in your criminal case in exchange for your testimony today? No. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Defense attorney Mark Richards begins his cross-examination of Black in much the same way as Prosecutor Binger began his direct, by focusing on the relationship between Black and Rittenhouse. You knew Kyle Rittenhouse through his sister, Mackenzie. Yes. And when you were 18, 19, you were dating Mackenzie. Yes. And you and Kyle were good friends. Yes. And you referred to each other as brothers. Yes. Richards then moves on to having Black clarify the sequence of events on the day of August 25th, 2020. You talked about Kyle taking the gun out of your father's basement without permission. Do you remember that? Yes. And so up until that point, according to your testimony, you knew nothing about Kyle taking the gun down to car source that night. No, I was definitely aware of it. Uh, it kind of never really went into the inside my mind. I never really clicked that, you know, like, hey, that's, he shouldn't have that. Well, what I'm getting at is whether it clicked at that point or not, it's your testimony to these 20 people from Kenosha County that you didn't know about it until he brought it up from the basement on August 25th. Oh, yes. You agree with that? Yes. Okay. Then... Can you tell me why earlier in the date, you guys did go to Jelensky's, correct? Yes. Who drove to Jelensky's? Well, this was after he had brought the gun up. That's not what your testimony was on direct examination. That's that's how it went. Okay. So, you he brings the gun up, you go to Jelensky's, and then go right downtown. That's what your testimony is on cross-examination. Yes. Okay. Whose idea was it to go to Jelensky's? I don't recall. But you said Kyle went into Jelensky's law. Yes. And you don't know why he was going into Jelensky's? I knew why he was going in there. Okay, why? To get a sling. Okay. 
And then out of the goodness of his heart, he bought you one? The plan was for both of us to get one. Okay. So you knew he was going there to get slings, correct? Yes. Didn't tell him not to bring the gun, correct? No. Richards next uses Black's testimony to clarify that neither the witness nor Kyle Rittenhouse was involved in certain alleged malicious and threatening behavior. And this is an optic on the top of it. Yes. This optic, does it shoot a laser beam out of it? Totally. It projects one inside of it, yes. If I were to point this gun, and obviously I can't do it here anymore, but if I were to point this gun at you from here, there would be no red or green dot on your chest. No. This is the optic from Kyle Rittenhouse's gun. Do you see it? No. Do you agree that this Yes. This does not project a laser dot on you either, correct? No. So if someone said Kyle Rittenhouse put laser weapon on their chest, that's impossible, correct? Correct. Richards then revisits the criminal charges Black faces and his motivation for testifying. Mr. Binger asked you about the charges that you currently have pending against you, correct? Yes. And those charges are a result of you providing the gun to my client. Yes. And each of those is punishable by six years in Wisconsin State Prison, correct? Yes. And you're testifying here today hoping that Mr. Binger will give you consideration on those charges and not send you to prison, correct? Yes. And you yes. can... Well, to be precise, Mr. Binger can't send him to prison. Mr. Binger can prosecute him, and a judge could send him to prison if he's found guilty. Mr. Binger can make a recommendation of prison. True. And yes. Mr. Binger can make a recommendation of prison, correct? Yes. And you're hoping that by you testifying, he doesn't make a recommendation of prison, correct? Yes. Probation. There's no really assuming what I get out of this. There's haven't been any promises made. I'm asking you what you're hoping. I'm hoping for whatever the best is I get. I don't know what it is. Richards pivots to his client's actions when he got back to his hometown and turned himself in. On August 26th of 2020, you were at the Antioch Police Department when Kyle turned himself in, correct? Yes. And you were interviewed in the early morning hours of August 26th by Detective Antaranian. Yes. He's the individual who's the second from closest to the jury, correct? Yes. Richards next elicits a series of statements from the witness that, he will argue, undermine the prosecution's narrative about Rittenhouse's mindset and intent on the streets of Kenosha on August 25th, 2020. In so doing, Richard's questioning of Black takes on a decidedly more adversarial tone. First, he asks Black about whose idea it was to protect Kenosha businesses. Do you remember talking to Detective Antaranian and telling him whose idea it was to go to CarSource to protect the property? Yes. Was it, I'm going to give you three choices, yours? Kyle's or Nick Smith's? Nick Smith's. Then Richards asks Black about Rittenhouse's demeanor as he walked up to the police after the shootings. Describe what he's doing as he's going up to that police I can't hear anything, but I could tell he was yelling. Okay. I don't know what he was yelling. Where were his hands? In the air. Okay. And you saw him walk up to the police car? Yes. You don't hear anything, but 
does Kyle stay and go up to the car? What's his next movement? Um, he walks up to the car and very quickly he like jumps back. Okay, like somebody told him to get back? Yeah. Because he walked up there voluntarily, correct? Yes. And then quickly steps back. Yes. Then Richards asks the witness about Rittenhouse's demeanor when questioned by an investigator. You described him on August 25th, the morning of the 26th, I apologize, to Detective Antaramian as sweating like a pig. Do you remember using those words? Yes. White as a ghost? Yes. And hysterical? Yes. Told you he shot somebody? Yes. Told you he had to shoot somebody? Yes. With self-defense? Yes. Hadn't met with a lawyer, correct? Correct. Hadn't talked with anybody about his story. He's telling you right that day what happened. Yes. And finally, as he concludes his cross-examination of Dominic Black, Richard's questioning suggests that the witness himself, as the adult who purchased the weapon for his friend, who was a minor, bore responsibility for Rittenhouse possessing the gun on the night of the shootings. And at that point, you are worried about the fact that you had given Kyle the gun, correct? Yes. And you talked to your girlfriend, his sister, at the police department and asked about coming up with a story to protect you regarding the guns, correct? I don't, I do not remember that. If she said it happened, you wouldn't disagree, correct? I would disagree. Detective Antaramium asked you a question on the morning of the 26th. So when did you first see the gun, you? Um, about when we were getting into the car, when we walked outside the house. Detective Antaramian, okay, did you talk to him about it at all? No, I had a lot of stuff on my mind. Do you remember that exchange? Yes. Okay, nothing bad had happened at that point, correct? Correct. So what did you have on your mind that was interfering with you saying, hey, Kyle, don't take the gun? Kind of scared to go down there, not knowing what to expect. Um, You wanted Kyle to have the gun, correct? That wasn't really an opinion in my mind at all. You wanted a gun? Personally, for myself, yes. You had no objection or voiced no objection to Kyle, your brother, having the gun, correct? It wasn't a thought in my mind. Well, he walks out of the house with an AR-15, and you don't say boom, correct? I didn't say anything, correct? That concludes this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode for our weekly recap as my guest once again is professor of law and director of the Criminal Defense and Prisoner Advocacy Clinic at Georgetown University, Abby Smith. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com You 
You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. This episode was written by Dewana Spates. It was co-produced by Chris Terracone and Aaron Karenik. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. The episode was edited by Chris Terracone. Music for the episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.